0: The IBM Cloud Podcast, coming to you every show with information about new capabilities and releases. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the IBM Cloud Podcast. We are your from the offerings team here at IBM Cloud. My name is Ian Lynch.
1: And this is Steve Showcat.
0: And today, guys, we're back with Dan. Dan, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thank you
2: for
0: having me back. Dan, that was a terrible introduction. So for those of you guys that haven't actually joined part of the mini series already, um this is the distinguished engineer with the IBM IBM Kubernetes IBM Cloud Kubernetes team. Sorry Dan, that's a tongue twister. Dan Berg. So Dan, we had Thank Dan you. on the show and Brianna over the last couple of episodes and basically Dan loves to talk and get into the nitty-gritty of technology. So Dan previously we had on in our fifth episode of the mini series, we had on chris rosen and chris was talking about microservices so in that episode he kind of went into lots of different things that myself and steve weren't too familiar with so we're hoping that during this episode you're going to be able to clear some of those up so we got really really technical questions for you so stand by that so dan actually when you were here with us on episode three you basically mentioned that two things that really stuck on myself in Steve's head and it's something that we took note, we were gonna mention and bring it back up with you again today, and that was the first thing was to keep the architecture as simple as possible. And the second one was to use as much open source technologies as you can. And today, we're here to actually talk around the different technologies that, you know, it's good to use, it's not good to use, where we can gain advantages from. So I'm gonna start off with the first question is basically, Dan, what, what's the main things that we're using in production in terms of technologies today?
2: Oh my gosh! Uh, so it's wildly open. Down, it?
0: So go crazy.
2: Yeah, yeah. So there, what are we using? So we're we're definitely. So I can take a look at it from from IKS, obviously, uh, and from there. A big part of our architecture is obviously containers. Uh, not only do we host a, a container platform with Kubernetes, but we also use it ourselves um, for managing the deployment and the lifecycle and the rollout and the health of all of our applications. Uh, and Kubernetes has, has really made it possible for us to scale and move quickly without having to add a lot of new team members to the team. Um, and what we found actually as we continued through this, uh, we, we started to drink our own champagne, if you will. So we've used our own service, the IKS service to help scale out the IKS service. Uh, really using it as a way to do more self hosting of our control planes. Um, So that has helped us move faster as well because then we don't have to um, have custom automation for dealing with the infrastructure. Uh, The IKS service provides that for us. Now underpinning all of this are other, a lot of these are open source technologies. Uh, We're using at CD for uh, for the actual data source itself. Uh, And we're using Redis as a caching database. So we're we're using a number of open source technologies for managing the the service itself. Um, Now, the other thing to be aware of is, I mean, I said it earlier in one of the in the previous episode is the less you have to deploy, the better and and obviously keep it simple. Um, So in that regard, we do utilize other services from IBM Cloud uh, because I mean, frankly, I don't want to have to deploy and manage all of them. Um, so we use things like Key Protect for managing uh, secure keys. Uh, we use Identity Management System, our IAM, um, for doing our authorization access controls uh, within the service. Uh, and we're using IBM Cloud Databases. Uh, IBM Cloud Databases provides us... Uh, fully manage sets of databases, our EtCD database that we use across our services is provided by ICD. So those, right. the, those are important those are important to us. Obviously, we're using a lot of other services or technologies as well. Um, but I mean the key here is a lot of the stuff that we deploy is open source and then we leverage a lot of the IBM cloud services to provide capabilities that we need.
0: So Dan can I jump in with another quick question before I let Steve shoot off right and I'm going to ask you to do something very controversial here it's take off your IBM half for a second okay so let's pretend that it was your job to deploy out IBM clouds and we're using Kubernetes to do so right why did you use the other tools that were hosted on IBM cloud as well. Is it just because it's easier because they're there because they're the best or what, what, what was the decision besides of course the obvious, (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: I mean the obvious, obviously. Right. Um, But, but it was even beyond that. Some of, some of them, I mean, we, we kind of had to right? our act, uh, Identity service, as an example, we had to do that prov- to provide a consistent experience across all of IBM Cloud. So there wasn't really much of a choice there. Right. Uh, but for some of the others, there, there there's definitely choice. Uh, a great example, I mean, for um, managing keys, it's quite possible. And, and we actually explored running our own vault system um, for managing our secrets and our, our keys within the system. But when you really start getting down into, well, what's actually necessary to do that? Sure, we could deploy and run Evolve. Okay, that's not hard. Um, It's gotta be highly available because that's a critical part of the system. If that starts failing, then we can't decrypt a lot of the information used by the system. So we need to make sure it's highly available. We have to make sure it's available across all locations, which there's 33 of them and growing. So that's a lot of locations. So then there's cost into deploying all of those. We have to have a backup and recovery mechanism for that. And then we have to make sure it's fully compliant through all the certificates that we require. So now we have to certify the entire platform for that Vault system. It's a lot of work. And a lot of people underestimate the actual amount of work it is to deploy and manage highly available services in in a cloud environment. So when when you start doing that, I mean, it, you look at the cost of ha- using a service that provides that, those capabilities for you, and it's it's pretty much a no-brainer, right? As much as you might love or think you have control over managing your own destiny by deploying your own content, in the end of the day, it's a lot of work from a compliance standpoint, availability standpoint, a recovery standpoint, and it's, it's generally a better prospect to let someone that's an expert in that technology, whose job it is to set up and manage and, and make it highly available and, and provide the backup and the security uh, and, and certification for compliance, let them do that work and just reuse the service. And, and so that's a great reason why we chose like Key Protect as, as one of the services we would use there.
1: So the logic, in a sense, is interesting because the reason that you chose to use the IBM Cloud Services is the same—the same same reason someone might choose to use open source. Why create something and have to maintain something when somebody else is already an expert and has done a good job at it, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And in many cases, it's—it's the technology choice. Uh, good, good example, so with IBM Cloud Databases, we needed an etcd, we needed to use etcd. etcd is an open source technology and we're coding to that open source API. However, making the choice of using open source and making the choice of deploying and managing the service by which the open source is the technology implementation, those, those are completely separate choices. You can use open source, but you don't have to deploy and run it yourself in all cases. Really deploying and running it yourself comes down to a question about location and the level of flexibility that you're gonna require. Understanding that there's a trade-off, there's a cost aspect of it, not not just dollar bounce, but actual people costs and resources costs in running your own content in the cloud environment in a highly available manner. So you can still go open source, but you still need to look at the decision on whether or not should you deploy and self-manage or should you use a fully managed service?
1: Right, and, and if I recall right, the um, what was at one time the composed databases that are now the IBM databases, I mean, they're identical. The APIs, there's there's really not a whole lot of difference. It's, it's as you said, somebody else is just doing all of the management work and I can see that makes a lot of sense. Um, so Dan, out of those tools that you listed earlier, I mean, is there anything that you just get really excited? That's part of this portfolio that you're using. That you know, I can just picture Dan jumping up and down and being really excited. Uh, so what do I? What I, do mean, I get? hate them all. Right? I mean, I, I, love them all. <laughs>
2: I totally love them all, but you don't I, mean, I don't want to offend wanna...
1: anybody. <laughs> you love them all.
2: I'm not going to offend anybody, but and and I don't want to sound silly in the same regard, but to be honest, I love using the ICAS service, right? It's, and and it sounds weird because that is the service that I'm talking about that we're, we're creating and, and servicing. But like I said earlier, we reuse it as well. And it's just so nice to be able to use a CLI to stand up and get highly available multi, multi-region um, platforms for you to go and deploy your, your containers. And, and the other thing that comes out of that as well is that all these other dependencies that I've talked about where I, I would use another cloud service, I didn't tell you one of the caveats that I have. And the caveat is the I try to keep my dependencies as, as thin as possible or as few as possible. But the services that I do depend on, I have one requirement. And that requirement is that they run on IKS. And it's not because I want more services running on IKS. I know that those teams that are running on IKS generally have a higher um, availability. Uh, they, can, they are available in more locations because it's easier for them to get into those locations. Uh, and therefore, it's better for me as a cloud provider to depend on them because I know that they're they're, it's a dependable service um, because I know that the platform that they're on is dependable. So once I get excited about, yeah, it's, de- it's definitely IKS.
1: I like that. You're excited about what you're working on and you're excited because you know it it solves your problems. I will make uh, one interesting comment. I wrote this down as you were saying it, Dan. I thought it was interesting. And I was thrilled that you talked about drinking our own champagne because the, the people that talk about eating our own dog food has just never quite excited me here. <laughs> I, I, I never quite figured out why that was high on their list. Um,
2: yeah, I, I don't know. If, uh, yeah, Eating dog food doesn't sound great to me,
1: but drinking you know, champagne, sounds it sounds good. So I'm going to ask you a question that that I can see other people asking. So so um, way back when, you know, a year or two ago, when we had um, Chris Rosen on early in in this ser- in the whole podcast series, you know, it was Docker, 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 constantly Docker, and now it's like we don't even use the phrase anymore. Uh, what happened? And what if you were on Docker? You know, I mean, wh- wh- what's changed for someone that might have been on Docker? And why don't we seem to talk about it? Because nobody, you nor Brianna, nor Chris mentioned it.
2: Yeah, it, it, you're, you're right. We, we don't mention it. And I think the only time I did mention it was uh, when I was removing the Docker engine from our architecture. So <laughs> even there, the mentioning wasn't great. Um, but uh, let's take a step back. I, I will have to say Docker... Docker started this entire ball rolling of making containers mainstream, right? Uh, They did the entire industry a huge favor uh, and we have to thank them for that, right? They, They really did put the ball in motion, they made it possible, they produced a set of tools to make it easy to create Docker images and deploy and manage Docker containers. I think the area where Docker fell short is really defining the runtime platform, um, and that and that's what back two three years ago we were looking at Docker Swarm and Kubernetes and Mesos and a host of others, um, and that's just where Kubernetes from a technology point of view and a community point of view. I mean, it was very community friendly, community driven. It really took off, and it shows you how the power of open source, right? Because that that was it was more than Kubernetes was available in the open source because Docker was available in the open source too, but it wasn't open, right? It was a single vendor controlled um, project. Whereas Kubernetes was multi-vendor controlled, right? You, You had multiple vendors, multiple participants, driving the Kubernetes platform, driving extensibility, bringing in vendor support, it, it just thrived, and the power of that was overwhelming, right? It, it, at, at, at some point, some juncture, it was undeniable that Kubernetes was a force to be reckoned with and wasn't going to slow down anytime soon, and it, its trajectory just took off and left pretty much Docker Swarm uh, behind, so it wasn't as popular. And the drive of that drove more open source projects, truly open source projects, that the whole single vendor-led open project kind of went by the wayside. So I would have to say here, Docker, the demise of Docker was um, due to the fact that it wasn't truly open, right? So that's that's a lesson to be learned here. Uh, and Kubernetes was, but again, the technology, the the Docker technology, the tools, it's still being used to create images and packaging and things like that. It's just you don't really hear about it as much in the runtime and it's not used as much as it was in the past.
0: So Dan, based on that, do you think, so imagine I'm a developer, I'm doing my computer science degree. Am I really learning the right technologies by going down the IKS route? Is it something that's going to be here for a long time? Is this, is this the, the creme de la creme of open standards?
2: So the the root of that is Kubernetes, right? I I believe containers are going to be here for quite some time. I mean, containers and containerization, especially built on Kubernetes, is the new way of developing microservices for the cloud. Uh, It is generally where people are moving. Yes, there are still lots of VM-based workloads out there. But many of the cloud-native solutions and where the industry is going is definitely in a containerization mode. So I, I, I believe Kubernetes is gonna be here for quite some time, but you you can see what's happening in this space. I mean, more of the technology that's evolving year to year is expanding the uh, capabilities in Kubernetes so you can build your applications from Kubernetes, not just host on it, but actually build your applications using the APIs and the extensibility of Kubernetes itself. And it's elevating up the stack. So more and more cloud providers, you're noticing, are doing, they're they're trying to add value. Obviously, that's what we do. And adding value, we've learned a lot. We continue to learn a lot. We build more automation. We can do more of the management of your infrastructure. So what's happening is you're seeing less and less need to know about the deep, uh, intricate details of the infrastructure, and Kubernetes helps you to elevate that, but I think that's gonna go even, Further higher in the stack, that eventually Kubernetes may be uh, a detail, right? An implementation detail, and most developers may not have to deal with Kubernetes directly at all. It's another higher-order API that will be available that they'll they'll start to use. But Kubernetes and containers is the basis for all of that. It's the basis for that change that's coming. Um, I can't predict exactly what that's gonna be, but I can tell you that the abstractions are going up the stack to make it easier for developers, not harder. So it's it's gonna be interesting over the next five years to see what where things actually end up.
1: So Ian, you and I talked about when we finally get to our, our very last episode with Dan and Brianna, we're gonna make them pull out the crystal ball and, and Dan is sort of teasing us here is what's <laughs> it's gonna be there. I, uh, I think Dan just think I through. It's coming. So, um, so Dan, you know, my last question is going to be uh, a, a really an easy one for you. I'm going to lob a real easy one at you, which is, you know, yes. given what we've talked about in terms of the technologies, and if I only heard two things that Dan said in the entire, say, 20 minutes or so of the podcast, what do you want those two things to be?
2: I mean, a couple couple things. Uh, First of all, um, open source is a, uh, and open technologies are very strong choices and something that you need to be considering when developing your applications. Uh, Many of the key cloud native uh, implementations out there are based on open source projects. It's extremely strong. However, when you're making that choice, just because you choose open source doesn't mean it has to be self-managed. You need to make a decision on, do you go self-manage and deploy and manage it yourself? Or is there a viable and actually a really good cloud service available based on that open technology that you could take advantage of? So that's what I would leave it. Open technologies, absolutely. Choose them whenever you can. Also, based on the open technologies, if there is a uh, cloud-provided service for that technology, definitely take it into consideration when you're building your cloud-native application.
0: And Dan, it's kind of interesting, right? Because it was a great way to sum it up in terms of looking towards open source and then managed versus unmanaged, because I think we're now nearly six episodes in and we're going to bring Brianna and yourself back just to kind of summarize and bring everything back together in our final episode so you've given us an awful lot of food for thought dan so thank you so much and thank you so much for coming on the show today you're welcome thank you and guys and for myself and steve as always don't forget to join in for the next episode where we bring everything back together with brianna and dan in the next episode and for myself and steve as always guys thanks for joining in see you next time on the ibm Cloud podcast